The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Well, good morning to you. Man, y'all looking sleepy today. This is Mother's Day. Mother should have gotten the perfect night of sleep last night, right? Probably not. I, I know how it is. Of course, I've been a parent now for 18, almost 18 and a half years, and it just doesn't ever seem to stop. I need to make sure i got all my stuff. Well, I want to uh, wish you a happy Mother's Day, of course, not in an obligatory way, but simply because this is a day that we get to celebrate all of our ladies. And yes, I'm talking about not just the ones who may have kids here with them today. I'm talking about those whose kids have already come and gone. I'm talking about those who have attempted to have a child and lost the child, still mothers, and even those who are wanting with all their heart to have a baby. We want to celebrate you today, and again, having been around for quite some time, um, I know how these messages typically go. You show up, and we celebrate you, we tell you all the great things you have done, and then we send you home where hopefully dad or kids are going to grill you up something nice. And today I want to kind of step outside of that a little bit, not because I'm not here to honor you, but because what I have found in my life, and the same way with my wife, is I want you to grow. I want you to become a better mother. I want you to fall in line more closely with the guidelines God has given us because your influence is way too strong for us to minimize it and your presence in families and church and community is way too powerful for me to just throw a few superlatives at you and then walk away. So this is what I call the box. This is what comprises of typical Mother's Days. I think you know some of the stuff that I would find in the box. If I were to reach in here, a mother raises her children well. That is innate. That is something that is contained in the very fabric of what it means to be a mother. No big surprise. If I reach in the box... Second one says, a mother prays for her children. Oh, now you're starting to get a little uncomfortable, Pastor Todd. No, this is something that I hope whenever you celebrate Mother's Day today, part of the reason you're being celebrated is because you and God are having all kinds of conversations about your kiddos. I don't care how old they are. I, I can tell you from experience, I still need prayer and I'm an old guy, all right? So, praise for her children. And then if I were to go and open up a card from Kitty's Hallmark in Lexington, I would see a mother, of course, loves her children. That's one of those things we kind of throw around. Mom, I love you. and Mom, I, I'm going to love you forever. In fact, I, I remember... Several kids over my career, well, they wanted to marry their mom, which I thought was pretty awesome. I set a good example. And then there's so many more, but 
Well, this one seems to be stuck. But just one more example. A mother cares for her children. So I could sit up here this morning, or stand up here actually, I could come up here and I could tell you what you already know. I could applaud you. We could applaud you for the things you're already doing. For the things you already know are represented in motherhood. Well, I've been sitting at where you guys are for a long time on Mother's Day. This is a sacred day. In, in pastoral speak, there's Easter and there's Christmas. The next most important day is Mother's Day. <laughs> because it is something that we look forward to. But instead of going with the box, I want to step outside the box today. Let me see what I've got next. The story. Okay, so just hold right there on the story. I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to look in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. It is the first Gospel that was created. So when God was inspiring the author of Mark, Mark was able to get all of his stories down first. And then Matthew and Luke came in, looked at what Mark had, and said, yep, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. So that the Gospels do, in fact, run concurrently with one another. There's no conflict. So in Mark chapter 3, we have a story. And whenever you read it, you're going to look at it and think, what in the world happened? This has nothing to do with Mother's Day. Oh, but it does. So go ahead and give me the first slide. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 20. One time, Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem, said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Jesus said, let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone who is stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. And they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? 
Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. That is one of the oddest stories that you will come across. Because at face value, well actually let me back up. When I was growing up, if my mom sent word, or my mom said like this, the world stopped. I put my Legos down. My Atari 2600, I lost that game. Because I would get up and I would go see what my mom was calling me about. (laughs) Did Jesus do that? He didn't do that. That's what I want to unpack with you this morning. That is what I want to talk to you about, especially that last verse, verse 35. Because I'm going to take the box that we've been looking at and we're going to blow it apart. Because you're bigger than what is contained in that box. So let's recreate the story a little bit. Jesus, of course, <clears throat> Jesus, of course, is very popular. Everywhere he goes, there's an entourage. He's got his 12 disciples. He had women that were following him. He had crowds that were curious. He had crowds that were, I heard this guy brought up somebody from the dead. I think he can take care of my ingrown nail. Or, I can't see anything, but I heard that he is powerful enough he can give me my sight back. Jesus had a hard time sneaking around because if one person saw him, everybody saw him. On top of that, who did Jesus typically hang out with? Not the rich and powerful, the poor and destitute. And there were multiple occasions where Jesus would just by His words or His prayers feed thousands of people. So, this scenario that we're talking about is something Jesus was used to every day. He was mobbed. People are just like the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Well, dude, if, if she did it, I can do it too. And everyone's trying to press in and get to where Jesus is. And it was stifling. Alright, so in this particular case, what had just happened? Believe Jesus was in Jerusalem. And Jesus had just gotten through healing someone on the Sabbath, which was naughty. Because according to the religious leaders of that time... You can't do good works on Sunday or on the Sabbath. You're just supposed to sit there because that's what God said in Genesis. Jesus said, that's not how it works. You don't stop doing good just because of what day it is. And so He made people angry. He made people mad. The religious guys and girls. But of course, those He was healing were very supportive. So He left. And as He's walking, the Bible says He went up on a mountain. And while He was up there, He would call people's names. These are going to be the twelve disciples. So that's about as by himself as he can be. Can you imagine being there when Jesus is like, I want you to be on my team and I want you to be on my team. Come on up here where I am. You're going to be one of my disciples. And there are people who are nervously waiting. Come on, he's going to pick me. He didn't pick me. So now we have twelve disciples and Jesus. And as they go from there, they go back to a place called Capernaum. And this is where our action starts. There's a crowd following him. 
Jesus decides to go into a home. Probably Andrew's home is what I was reading about. And when he gets there and tries to close the door, all these people are shoving and pushing and yelling, You can't keep us out! We want to be with you! Door comes open. And Jesus is sitting there. And Jesus has the patience of God the Father, undoubtedly. Because there are people like sitting really close to Him. And there's people looking in the windows. And there's people trying to get into the back door wherever they could to get into where He was. The way you can picture it. Do you remember when Jesus was in a home and there was a guy who couldn't walk and the friends were like, well, how am I going to get our friend? Jesus can heal him. You know what? Let's go rip the roof off the place and drop him in. That's how crowded it was. Well, this celebrity that Jesus had created was something not just confined to where he was, it had traveled all over the place. The neighboring cities and towns understood where Jesus was because there's always someone with a new story to tell. So Capernaum, he's there. The crowds are pressing in. Jesus has made some people angry. And word of all of this gets back to where his mama is. Do you remember what town Jesus grew up in? Really? How about Nazareth? Let's go with that one, right? Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> That's where he grew up. So you've got Jesus' mother and brothers. Did you know he had brothers? And sisters. Oh, wait. Yeah, I want you to learn all this stuff this morning. A word of that got back to Mary and the boys. And the mother Mary was, she understood that he's doing an important thing. But the brothers, and probably Mary to an extent, we need to go get him out of there. They're going to kill him. They won't let him sleep. The Bible says they can't even eat food because no one will leave him alone. Boys, grab your stuff. We're going on a walk. And so they walked from all the way, in, from Nazareth all the way to Capernaum. And when they arrived, and they saw this spectacle, almost like a circus, with everything happening and people yelling and jumping up and down and trying to look in. Where is He? Where is Jesus? I can't even see Him. If we can just get a little closer. Mary's mama heart started beating like a mama bear. Y'all need to leave my boy alone. You need to give him a break. You need to let him take a nap. You need to let him have some lunch. But because they had gotten there so late, do you think they could get in? <laughs> They're stuck outside. Just like if people are trying to get into our church and they can't quite do it because we're packed out, which hopefully we'll have that problem one day. His mother is out there. And so understanding she can't pick people up and move them, her and the boys... I need you to get Jesus a message. I am his mama. And I need you to tell him this. So, I don't know if it was a kid. I don't know if it was an adult. It doesn't say. Okay. Alright. And so he gets in all of the people. Crawling through their legs and trying to squeeze by them. And 
trying to get to where Jesus is. And he finally gets there. Meanwhile, Jesus is having a great time. I don't know if you grew up with this caricature of Jesus that he was boring, or they didn't laugh, or they didn't joke or have fun. That's not the Jesus that I know. So he was not being held there against his will. He's talking and he's laughing and he's telling stories and he's doing all of this stuff to teach them about who God is. And in the middle, it's almost like everyone's listening and oh, he's going to say something really important and then, what was that? Jesus. Hold on a second. Jesus leans over and he listens. And he hears, your mother and your brothers have walked here from Nazareth. Which, from what I saw on maps, is like 30 miles. That was the mama bear. And, and they want you to come out and talk to them, Jesus, because they're here to see you. Well, I told you. Back when I was a kid, yes ma'am, or yes sir ma'am, However that works. And I would get up and I would go in and I would see what my mom had to say. Jesus' response was resounding. Because when people figured out, oh, his mom's outside, I bet he's going to have to get up and leave. Instead of getting up and leaving, he doesn't even acknowledge her. He doesn't even say, Mom, I'll be out there in a minute. He doesn't do any of that. He ignores the question or the statement. And you see it still up on the, on the screen. Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Are you kidding me, Jesus? You don't remember who your mother is? You don't know who your brothers are. You're hanging out with a bunch of strangers and fishermen and tax collectors, and you have the audacity to dis disrespect your mom like that. So after he allows that question to linger in the air, have you ever had someone ask a question, and then you're like, oh, i got to hear the answer to this one. Jesus says, you know what? You, ma'am, are my mother. Guys, I don't know you, know you, but you're my brothers. Little ma'am, you're like my sister. And there's like a collective, <gasps> what? Not only are you going to disrespect your mom and not even go see what she wants, now you're saying, eh, you're not really my mother. These people that I hang out with, these are my crew. So mom, I'll get to you when I can. Now, I'm not trying to paint Jesus to be sinful at all. I'm not trying to teach you that what He did was improper or dishonoring. What I am teaching you though is Jesus does not mince words. He says whatever He's going to say. No matter how sharp it may come across no matter the degree of honesty that everyone else is like, oh, I, that felt like He just hit me in the stomach. Jesus' emphasis was not 
on the relationship of family as much as the relationship of family. Does that make sense? It's almost like he would sit here in this church and even though Mary's banging on the door, he's like, I I know who she is and I love my mom and my mom helped raise me in Nazareth, but the family that I'm here to be with is you. And so mothers, you in particular were called out as one of these entities that Jesus took out of the physical sense, the family sense, and put it into a spiritual sense. So let's explore that a little bit. If you'll give me the next slide. Next one. I told you a little bit about my mom. I was blessed. My mom was amazing. One of the most selfless people I know. She was not afraid to give you anything and everything she had as long as she was not ever to be the center of attention. Now you may know that your mom is that way. And my mom would get angry if we sang her happy birthday. Everybody's staring at me. I don't want everybody to stare at me. Why can't we just do something else? My mom was amazing. And what I really particularly enjoyed about her is it doesn't matter how old I was, she wanted me to come and to sit across from her. Not beside her. Across from her. And she wanted to know everything that was going on in life. I would run out of things to say. I would tell her about family, or in high school, about a girlfriend. Or I would tell her about the prom that's coming up. Or I would tell her about my car. Or I had a bad day at school. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it was amazing. Because it's like she's looking through me. And she's taking in every word that I would say to a point. She would stop me. Wait, 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 wait. I want to make sure I understand this. And she would repeat back the things that I said. How do you think that made me feel? Pretty dang important, right? Not only would she listen, but to make sure she understood, she would repeat it back to me. That was my mother. The mother of me and my brother and my sister. Well, no matter how badly she not, didn't want me to grow up, I grew up. And in 1992, I graduated and I left and I went to school in Florida. I have no mom in Florida. It was just me by myself. And as big and as manly as I thought I was, I cried like a baby. Whenever they left me. Big college man is crumpled over in the corner with booger rags. With Kleenexes. Because I'm just crying so much. And so I got up at school every day. And I'm like, I've got to get to a church. I've got, I've got to do something. Because all, of, all these people are weird down here. And so I went to a church. East Hill Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. And understand, I've been in youth. Middle school, middle school, high school, high school, high school, high school. I'm used to hanging out with kids. I'm not a kid anymore. 
I have to go like be with the adults and stuff? What do you mean? That Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning that I went, I had to go into the college career and singles group. I was not ready for that. And I sit down in the classroom. There's no one even in the same decade with me. I was like 18, 19 years old. Oh my word, how long have you been in college, sir? Because all of these people were older. And I know that as I sat there and I'm listening to the Sunday school lesson, and I'm like, they're all staring at me because I'm here and I could be their child. Well, afterwards, as I got up and left, and I'm walking up the hill of where the parking lot is, there's a woman that was in the class named Carol. And Carol said, hey, you're new here. Yes, I'm new here. I'm from South Carolina. Blah, 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 blah. She said, why don't you come to lunch with my family and me? What? (laughs) You don't even know who I am, lady. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I think you need to come have lunch with us. She was a mother who read all of my body language that I was trying so desperate to hide. And I went to lunch with them, and it was like I was one of her children. Do you see how this is working? I've got my mom. Nobody's ever going to replace my mom. But my mom's not with me now. I need another mom. And I found her. Her name was Carol Donner. And Carol had three children. And everywhere that Carol and Mike went, her husband, I went too. Did you know I went to family reunions? I don't know who these people are. But instead of going back to my dorm and just sitting around, or instead of going out and doing stuff that I knew I didn't need to do, she said, I'll be your mom while you're here. Cool. I still keep up with her. She is, I don't know if stuck is the right word, but she's in Minnesota. It gets really cold there. And we still talk. Even though she's not my biological mom, she's still my mom. So then I graduate college, and I go, and I find my wife, and I gained a mother-in-law. Same thing. I'm living, I was in the Air Force. We were in Alaska, and we were in Texas, and we were in Kansas. My mom is nowhere to be found. Carol's gone. I need somebody else. Her mother would come up from Oklahoma City. She's a good mom. And she'd take care of us, not just me, but my whole family. Because we needed that. Well, when we were in Kansas, I came across another lady. Her name's Deborah. And Deborah's a short little lady, strawberry blonde hair. I don't know how it's always strawberry blonde ever since I've known her. But that is how I always picture her. Phenomenal. And during those times, maybe when, when marriage was a little tough or when the kids are driving me bonkers. I have four kids. Deborah was always there to say, I'll come in here. Talking to Tracy and me, my wife and me. Come in here, let's talk this out. The maternal advice was just flowing. And God is ordaining everything she's saying. That was my mother. And man, there's so many others I could, I could tell you about. Even here at a church that I used to attend, there's a lady that clamped onto us. Even though we have stinky teenagers, she still, 
She said, maybe that's why she climbed onto us. Her name is Judy. And Judy is taking care of her mother who's 100 years old, but still finds the time to make sure that Tracy and I are doing okay. We don't even go to that church anymore. It doesn't matter. She's on Facebook and she'll check in on us. Or she's watching our statuses. Or she's looking to see where she can still play a part. That's family and friends, mothers. I even put frenemies up there. You see that? Oh, here we go. Well, just like you. I grew up and I saw mamas of all kinds, shapes, sizes, colors. And I learned from the people that I just told you, those blessed women that have been such a huge part of my life, I also saw the flip side. I saw women thinking, oh, uh uh-uh. I don't want that kind of influence whenever I have kids. Mothers who were condescending to their children. Mothers who were so wrapped up in their own agenda, the kids were kind of left off to the side. Mothers who were stuck in addiction and weren't even able to be a parent. And watching that through my friendships, and then as I get into ministry, I see families of all kinds. And even though it would have been considered what I would say an enemy, only in they gave me counter examples of what a mother can be and is called to be. So I'm not going to harp on that a whole lot. But I need you to see that my vision of all of this was not tainted by all the hearts and the eyes and the Mother's Day irises and all that. I saw examples of all kinds. So, when we're looking at this story, and here's where I want to make a connection. We all understand that Jesus knows who His mother is. He grew up with her. She helped guide Him into being the man that He became. But we also know that Jesus was not just some ordinary dude like me. He was the Son of God. And so her approach to Him had to shift just a little bit. How am I going to tell the Son of God how to be a man? I think God the Father is probably going to take care of that. But she loved Him. And we saw that in when Jesus was crucified. Who was at the base of the cross? Mama was. All the disciples scattered except for one. And Mama. But when Jesus says what He says, I need to look all of you in the eyes, all of the mothers. I need you to know that these superlatives over here all contain the same verbiage. Cares for her children. Prays for her children. Raises her children well. Loves her children. That's cool. I appreciate that. But ladies, I'm here to tell you there's a whole lot more that God's looking for from you than just taking care of your own. Do you see where I'm going with this? Jesus established the importance not just of physical lineage, who your mom or who your dad or who your grandfather or grandmother. Jesus said, there's a bigger picture here. My mother and my brothers and my sisters are here. Mothers. 
that means that you are not only a maternal influence in the life of your children, you are a maternal influence to whoever comes around you. Some little kid needs a shoe tied, got a booger, I can't say that, has a runny nose, you step in and you take care of it. But it's bigger than that. I told you about Deborah and I told you about Carol who put their arm around me or around my wife and me. She didn't have to do that because I'm not one of her children. But she understood there is a spiritual element to motherhood. And she knew that I needed some kind of maternal influence. And she stepped up. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. So what does motherhood look like? Go ahead and give me the next slide. What does the out-of-the-box motherhood look like? Give me the next one. Oh, let's stop right there. I want to build you up today. I don't want to smack you around with stuff that you're not doing right. or I don't want to dishonor you in the, in the places where you have failed because we're all broken. We all have the same sickness. I can't do that. But what I can do is I can show you what motherhood outside of that plastic box looks like. It must, must, must. There is no option. There is no choice B or choice C or plan B. You must be built on the Word of God. Now, I can step out here and I can listen. I can find podcasts of how to be the most incredible parents in the world from anybody and everybody. Everyone's got an opinion. And that's fine. Whatever. But if you are really, really, really ready to take in what being a mother actually is outside of your own house, you can't build it on anything else because that's sand that shifts. And you see that in our culture. You try to build something on our culture, you fall down, which makes you, well, I've got to rebuild now. And I'm going to rebuild on this sand. And then it shifts and you fall. Ladies, if you don't know what's in the Word of God, that's your first step. If you don't know about the example Jesus set, that's your first step. Because if you don't have this part, it doesn't matter what I put above it. It's going to fall over. So, hear the challenge. Understanding my heart is one of love. And it's one of a recipient of a maternal influence that far outweighed any circumstances I had in life. And those women were solid in the Word of God and solid in the example of Jesus, which is why we were able to walk through the stuff we did, the junk, and they were there. So when we look at the first and the primary role, go and give me the next slide. Of course it's going to be your family. There's no higher calling. Even in a pastor's world, who is my first priority? Is it the church or is it my job at First Baptist? What is it? My family. It's the same way with moms. And sometimes, well, it's too difficult for me to be a mom here. There's, there's too many complexities and there's, my kids are going a little crazy. I, no, I just want to go and be mom over here. Or I'm going to find kids that like me and I'll be their mom. Right? I have four teenagers. They don't like us at all right now. And it's kind of hurtful. So, 
Your family is first and foremost in terms of what that relationship looks like. You are praying. You're doing these things right here for your children. But that's where we stop. That's where society says, thanks for a great day. It was a wonderful Mother's Day lunch. I hope you had a great time. Here's a flower. And then tomorrow we go back to everything like normal. No, there's a lot more. Go ahead and give me the next one. I don't want you just to be a mom in your family. I want you to be a mom in your radius. What is a radius? Oh no, he's using a geometric term. Oh, in a circle. If I were to stand in a circle, and I have a circle going around me, a radius is from the center to the outside of the circle. It's a line. Wherever, if I can touch you, then you're in my radius. Mothers, you know how to be a mom in your family. If not, you're learning. And when you hang close to the Word of God and the example of Jesus, you will learn how to be a mother. But it's bigger than that. You are a mother in your radius. That means you go in Walmart and you see a single mom having a really hard time because her kid's unruly. Our tendency is, ooh, can't wait to get home and tell my husband about that family. No! You are a mother that can go in and encourage that young lady. You are a mother that can go in and try to redirect the behavior of the children. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what you're called to do. Right? So it doesn't matter if you're here at church. It doesn't matter if you're in Walmart or the pig. Or if you're hanging out at a picnic, at a softball game. Be a mother. Because there are a lot of kids like me, whenever I was that age, just want somebody to love them. And we're not really good at asking for that. What's the next one? Oh, yeah. I know this church, 95% of this church is a network of families. I get that. But my friends... It's bigger. What you do here is bigger than taking care of your niece or your nephew, looking in on your daughter. We need to open those doors and these doors and invite the motherless to come in. Ladies here, you are amazing. I've seen you in action. I've watched you as you have done this and done this and done this and done this. But for us to think, well, that's all there is to it. I'm just going to love my family here at the church. No. Bring in the school kids from Busby. Bring in the families across the street. Bring in the families who are through the woods. I know there's a place for dads. And dads, your day's coming. But mothers, <laughs> you're usually a lot more hospitable than dads are. So when someone comes into this church building that you don't know, instead of, well, you're not my family, I'm going to go over here and take care of the people that I know, that I am blood related to. I want to push you just a little bit to say, no, there's a new mom coming in here. I've been a mom for 345 years. I'm going to go and I'm going to love on that family. Or there are kids whose parents drop them off. 
Be a mom. It's not just my responsibility or my wife's responsibility because we're youth and children's pastors. I need the powerful influence that you have. I need the tools that you have in your toolbox to make this church something more than just a gathering of families. Because if all we're here to do is to gather with the families we're connected to, we're missing it. Do you know how many people in Sally and in Wagner and in Perry have nowhere to go on Sunday mornings? And the places they've gone don't really accept them because maybe of the way they look or the choices they've made or they're not part of the family. This church is not supposed to be that way. Jesus Himself said, you don't have to be connected to someone by lineage to be a mother, a brother, a sister. If you've got Him in your heart or you're searching for Him, you are part of the family. Right? Seeing some changes in expressions. I've got to call it like it is. Because I love this church. We've been here two years. But... I know for me personally, I'm ready to grow. And I feel like that we're stuck because we are mothers and fathers. Not just picking on the mothers. We've got to expand. We've got to get bigger and better. And that is in all of these rankings right here. Because if we can get our mothers to take care of families and to take care of the radius that is around them and especially to take care of what's going on in, these building, in this building, what do you think is left? Next slide. Do you know the only examples that our 20-somethings have to look at are on TV? And the radio? Apple Music? The only example they have to follow is the example that's killing us as a nation and as a world. But God has, in this room alone, women who can make a change in the world, women who have been empowered by His Holy Spirit to speak life into people who need life so badly, who need an example to follow, who need someone they can emulate. And right now they're emulating all the junk that you see in TV programs, and movies, and that you listen to in music. That's where I push you a little bit too. Usually it's a Father's Day message. You guys need to step up, man. Let's, get, let's do something. Let's set the world on fire. I want to shift it to the Mother's Day message to tell you, let's go. You've got the tools. You're built on God's Word. And we're still here. Or we're at the house. Step outside of your family to your radius. Love on those in your radius. Step outside your house and love not just the people in your church, but the people who show up to your church. When you do those things, it's like a God-given confidence. Well, I can go I can love on anybody. Yeah, you can. 
You saw it close. There's no possible way that I can fit the importance, the advantages, the strengths, the superpowers of all of the women in this room, in this box. We try to, especially if, if guys are trying to do it, well, we try to put you in a box. But I'm giving you permission. I'm even inciting you, challenging you. Don't be satisfied with a few accolades, some flowers, and maybe some burnt hamburgers off the grill today. I want you, I need you to connect with God and not be satisfied with this. Because when you do, God will set your world on fire. And I don't mean that in a destructive way. But as soon as you say, God, will you give me a chance to? He's going to give you a chance. Somebody's going to walk through that door. Or somebody's going to show up to where you work. And then it's almost like God saying, Ta-da! Be a mama! And, oh, no, I've got to take care of this. Or, no, i got to get home, take care of my family. So I hope that whenever you get up and you leave here, my prayer has been that these things would stick to you so that you can't just dismiss them and, and shove them into the back of your mind because you're going to have some great food. No. I want the Holy Spirit specifically to stick this in your heart so that even tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're still kind of wrestling around with this colorful pyramid that I put together so that you and God, not you and me, not my place, you and God can unpack, well, how am I doing in the Word of God and the example of Jesus. How am I doing in my family? Because you may have some changes you need to make. You may have some areas that you can celebrate. Radius, church, and world. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.